passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand and live on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel, where today is December 5th, 2021. Sometimes I forget to remind you of the date, but today I did not. It is December 5th, 2021. And today on the program, we will discuss WWE's new talent recruitment strategy, NIL, or maybe NIL, NIL, who knows? Uh, we will discuss that. Uh, the latest YouTube views information that we have. Google Trends, it's a new month, so a new month has passed, and we have new Google Trends information to update you on. Uh, some live events, news, uh, and then the main event we have, I have for the first time ever, I can show you not just one data point, not just a few data points out of context, but year to date, the DV, everyone's asking me about the DVR here and there. They do ask me sometimes, well, what about, what about the DVR viewership? We have the DVR viewership to discuss and analyze today for all of the major nationally televised wrestling programs across. I have this across all the big, all the demos and the down, and the down ballot demos, all that stuff rose to the top has been renewed. Uh, and we have a fast affiliate number to talk about for SmackDown, all that today on the program. But first joining us from my immediate South, he is, uh, a ring announcer, a, uh, a stand-up comedian, Chris Gullo. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me as always, and uh, it's great to be here on this Sunday morning. Well, there's no Buffalo Bills game at all, home or away, because it's tomorrow. No, no, the Bills play the Patriots tomorrow. Are you a big Patriots fan? <laughs> I, big, I think that's safe to say I am not. <laughs> you a big Bill Belichick fan in his hoodie, his cut-off sleeves, his angry face. It's the evil empire, they're called. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. What do you want to talk about today? Well, uh kind of want to get right into it here and the uh, NIL, N-I-L, and kind of give a little background uh, of that, Brandon. Now, the NCAA name, image, and likeness rule. Are you familiar with this is, already ahead of time? Yes. I, I'm not that familiar I'm, I'm, with that. I was hoping that you would be. I'm, I'm very familiar with those, Great. yes. This has been something that has been debated about and fought for years. 
Um, and it's almost like a compromise because the big push was, well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain what it is and I'll, I'll kind of give a little background. So the NCAA approves name, image, and likeness policy. So on June 30th, 2021, the Division I Board of Directors approved an interim name, image, and likeness policy. This new policy will allow NC, all NCAA D1, D2, and D3 student-athletes to be compensated for their NIL as of July 1st, 2021, regardless of whether their state has an NIL law in place or not. Now, the NCAA NIL law rules do not override state, college, university, or conference-specific NIL rules. This means student-athletes need to review the NLI reviews, um, I'm sorry, NIL rules with their state where their school is located and check with the athletic department for any school and conference-specific rules to understand what limitations they will have on their NIL. Now, college student-athletes competing in states without an NIL law will have the freedom to receive compensation for their NIL however they see fit as long as they do not violate pay-for-play or receive financial incentives to sign or remain with a program. Um, so this is a compromise for just to give a little background on this. It has been debated for years. Should college athletes be paid? Mm-hmm. And what is the argument for and against? What are, what are these these competing viewpoints? So a lot of people say, well, hey, the tuition is pay, the opportunity to be seen on national television, possibly become a professional. <laughs> you're getting an education for free. Yes, you're getting an education for free and all that. that, that that's the big thing. Um, but the counterpoint is, is that these schools are making – and this is where it gets a little Russell Nomicsy too. These schools are making millions of dollars off TV rights, sharing with the conferences and all that. And nothing is going to those student athletes. It's it's paying head coaches obscene salaries. I mean, head coaches in college football make more than the NFL. Um, but yeah, so that's been the big debate. So this is almost a compromise where student athletes can receive some type of compensation while they are still attending college and playing sports without the schools being accountable for it. So where this comes into effect is car dealerships, autograph signings, convention appearances, stuff like that. Like now we in, in video games, which that was, a, that's what started a lot of this was Ed O'Bannon suing the NCAA because they used his likeness in a college basketball game, but they didn't, he was like UCLA forward number, whatever. But he's like, that's me. That's my likeness. I want money. Uh-huh. So, so this is a way for college athletes to make money, not from the college that they go to and that they play for. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but yeah, they can get sponsorship deals and they can get compensated for their name, image, and likeness being used. Is that yes. correct? So okay. this is a way they can receive income. So if I'm a quarterback at Oklahoma University, I can go do a commercial for Jim Bob's car dealership and make whatever Jim Bob's going to give me. Okay. Jim Bob. Does he pay well? Um, How does this relate to WWE? Well, we'll kind of get into it here on Thursday, December 2nd. WWE today announced the launch of a groundbreaking name, image, and likeness program that will provide a clear pathway from college athletics to WWE. Following a historic new policy by the NCAA effective July 1st, 2021, which ushered in the NIL era, allowing college athletes the ability to monetize their name, image, and likeness, 
WWE has constructed a comprehensive program to recruit and develop potential future superstars. Dubbed Next in Line, the NIL program aims to enhance the talent's development process through collaborative partnerships with college athletes from diverse athletic backgrounds. So they're NIL in the normal context here that we're talking about refers to name, image, and likeness. But WWE, being WWE, has to rebrand it into um to what again next in line and i'm glad we had we're getting clarification on this because i was very confused about it when gable stevenson was signed under it yeah the so, fact that he was on WWE contract was still allowed to be at the minnesota golden gophers for another year yeah so how do you, how do you see this as clarifying that well i think this next part we're going to talk about okay and the next might clarify a little bit a little bit <clears throat> So this next part here, uh, the WWE NIL program has the potential to be transformational for our business, said Paul Levesque, WWE Executive Vice President, Global Talent Strategy and Development. By creating partnerships with elite athletes at all levels across a wide variety of college sports, we will dramatically expand our pool of talent and create a system that readies NCAA competitors for WWE once their collegiate careers come to a close. All athletic partnerships will feature access to the state-of-the-art WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, in addition to the resources across the organization, including brand building, media training, communications, live event promotion, creative writing, and community relations. Upon completion of the NIL program, select athletes may earn an exclusive opportunity to be offered a WWE contract. In September, WWE announced its first NIL deal with heavyweight freestyle wrestler Gable Stevenson, who captured a gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. The agreement allowed Stevenson to return to the University of Minnesota for a senior season where he is defending the NCAA National Championships while beginning his superstar training with WWE. WWE will unveil the first class of NIL partnerships in the next couple weeks. So um, we'll get into a couple things. I so what I what I'm taking from this, and I'll let you kind of see what you're taking. What I'm taking this is this is almost like a. Are you familiar with holding deals, Brandon? No. What's a holding deal? So holding deal is something that happens in media a lot, media properties. And here we are. We got Nick Khan, the man of media. <laughs> Major networks like NBC, CBS, Fox will sign comedians, actors, actresses to what they call holding deals. So I'm going to pay you so much a year for three years to just keep the rights of you. So when we eventually develop a program for you, then we will sign a further contract and, and, and work all that out. So you can't sign with Fox or NBC if you're under a CBS holding deal and they're going to develop a sitcom for you, whatever it is. This is, I think this is a similar thing where, Hey, we're going to put you in this program. And then it seems like they would sign him to holding deals. Like Gavin Sealson is, is like, so you're allowed to, cause when you're like a comedian, actor, actresses, you could pursue other work. You just can't sign a deal with like those other networks. So mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we're going to give you a holding deal. You can go still do college sports, do whatever you do, but you're coming to WWE instead of going to whatever maybe professional sport you're going to try and stuff like that. That's kind of what I take from it. I could be wrong, but that's kind of what I understand it from to be. And I, w- I wonder what the commitment is as far as like there's if they make deals with many people under this, this, you know, uh, whatever it is, policy or, uh, whatever it is, there's probably going to be people, be people who never end up 
doing much with WWE. So I wonder what what they're paying to hold on to these people relative to what they would pay them when they become active wrestlers for them. But um, yeah, um, it's very much in line with the new NXT, the things that are apparent from NXT 2.0 and a lot of the talent releases. Um, by the way, how will uh, independent wrestlers benefit from the NIL, the next in line thing? Um, well, not a, they won't benefit on a WWE level. They'll, they'll now know that maybe they should pursue other avenues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As JR would always say, you got to have a plan B. Um, but I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see who WWE signs going forward. Um, I really think that they are, I will be surprised if WWE signs much of any independent wrestling talent, uh, for the foreseeable future, things can always change and the pendulum can always swing back. Um, they, they were clearly in the mid two thousands. They had a philosophy more in line with this current philosophy. And then the pendulum swung back to the, to the other extreme in the mid 2010s, uh, under triple H. And now it's swinging back in that, that other direction of valuing, uh, athletes and people who don't have a, a wrestling background a pro wrestling background to begin with. Obviously Gable Stevenson has an amateur wrestling background. Um, but I will be surprised if we haven't seen any signings of wrestlers since NXT 2.0 was launched in, in September, right? We're now in early December, W has been signing before this has been signing people pretty rapidly. Um, what's the next W performance center class look like? Is it just all people like this who are signed through this program? Um, it's in line with something that's probably an easy sell to Vince and something that seems to, uh, be compatible with Nick Khan's background as a, as a talent agent. Um, and it's so what I mean by the, the Vince part is that this creates a world in which WWE is is above wrestling. Um, but I'll be surprised to see if any independent wrestling talent gets signed by WWE going forward. Uh, so is all that talent just going to be available to to AEW and to everybody else in, in the wrestling industry? I could see WWE signing some wrestlers who don't have a, don't have much of any indie buzz, but they have the attributes that this version of W developmental values that is being tall and maybe having a, a an athletic background as well. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the second generation stuff is still a factor. We see it with Von Wagner and Braun Breaker. Who's Von Wagner related to? That's that's a Wayne Bloom's kid. Oh, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, str- the, I'm trying to think of his name. The guy that teams with Josh Briggs. I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Bobby Cannon's kid. Okay. So maybe WWE should introduce a program where uh, current talent can sign away the rights of their descendants for the foreseeable future. Maybe something they want to look into. Um, but uh, also uh, notable here is that Triple H. Triple H. Uh, I don't know if I would call this a public appearance, but these are public comments for the first time since his cardiac event, since the the, the downfall of black and gold NXT. Uh, but he also gave some comments to the outlet Fast Company, uh, which was covering this WWE nil. Is it, is it nil or NIL? 
We've only seen this in I, print, not in audio. I would hope it's NIL. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so uh, Paul Levesque, Dewey's executive vice uh, president of global talent strategy and development, elaborate on the company's program while speaking to Fast Company. I'm not sure. Do you want me to read the quotations there? We're you, in black. You can so. read it. It's, 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 they're in black because these are quotations okay. to differentiate so, them. We immediately saw it as an amazing recruiting tool for us because it allows us to show athletes a path to WWE and engage with them in a way where they can learn more about it. We can learn more about them all while working together and finding out if it's a good fit before they're even finished college or before they need to make any decisions about what they're going to do in the next stage of their life. Levesque pointed out the early results of the NIL policy and mentioned the recruitment of Isaac uh, Agubuzan, who was a shot putter at the University of Alabama, who was part of a tryout earlier this year. When we were done with the tryout, I was like, great, let's bring this kid in now. But it turned out he was still in school. That happened right around the NIL, so we put a deal together, and he'll be way ahead of the curve because he'll be working on a lot of stuff while he's in school. Levesque also mentioned the level of deals that the company will be offering is a range it would vary the uh, among the achievement levels of different athletes the deals might range from the lower end which would still help them make ends meet while at school of course if you're bringing in olympic gold medal to the table it's a different conversation mm-hmm. this is uh just quickly to put uh isaac oh boy how do you say his last name isaac adugbasan yeah, anyway i guessed it <laughs> anyway here here's uh isaac in his uh w las vegas tryout uh t-shirt so apparently he's he's a big shot putter who has been signed by WWE. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, all right. So, um, well, that is the last one quotes there. So I, I do want to bring up a couple questions regarding this. First off, is this Triple H's new project? And second off, it seems like this is going to be very focused on second tier athletes. And I don't mean that in I don't try to mean that in a negative context. But we're talking sports like amateur wrestling, shot putting, maybe track and field sports that don't have a professional, mm-hmm. like a major league, like contract possibility. Right. Yeah. I think you're still going to have a football player go, uh, let me see if I can make a training camp or let me see if I get drafted and then think about going to W. I think it's going to be hard for them to get like football players and, and basketball players for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I'm sure they're, that's the way they feel about it and that they, they know what they're they're doing as far as that football players who can be professional football players are going to want to be professional football flip players if that's viable for them um and, and we'll probably continue to see the baron corbins of the world who uh you know who wash out of an nfl team and and come to wb um but yeah yeah i it's this is uh shaping up to be kind of what we thought it would in that wb is going to be a land of athletes and people with other maybe professional backgrounds um it's like this this interesting to see and i guess there there were some signings out of the las vegas tryout and i should look into who they signed uh sounds like mostly men though i I want obviously there are you know women who are college athletes that they could sign here too but then again if we're if we're talking about um professional leagues there aren't as as many professional sports opportunities for women i suppose um so maybe there's even more availability here uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out uh i'm interested to see if if any independent talent gets signed by w going forward when i say independent talent i mean independent wrestling talent um anybody with a pro wrestling background um and if not if that's really 
what they do. And they sort of double down on this notion that they're not wrestling and that they would prefer even uh, talent that don't have wrestling experience because they wouldn't have to unteach them bad habits or they could just totally indoctrinate them into, into their way of doing the business. Um, is that a good idea? Something that I, I meant to put in the slides here, but I didn't. Um, Roman Reigns has made comments um, to the effect of, I think he was, was he on Jimmy Fallon or something like that? He's made a few yeah. comments. Some of, some of them have been sort of hinting to it on, on air too, on SmackDown that, you know, it, that, that maybe an acting career is on the horizon for him and who knows how long he'll be with WWE going forward. Um, like, I don't, I don't think Roman Reigns is going to leave WWE anytime soon, but, but we may be coming to the, the point where I, he's, he's roughly my age. He's like 36 or something like that. And, uh, so he's not in his twenties and, uh, he's by far the biggest star for WWE. Who's a full timer. Um, Google trends that we'll talk about later support that, uh, by a wide margin ahead of everybody else. Um, he's not somebody who had an independent wrestling background. Certainly he is from a wrestling family though. Um, he had a football background. So I guess my point is if, if Roman Reigns were to leave and go the way of John Cena and the rock, the star power, would be lessened for this company. I, you sort of, I sort of see Roman Reigns as somebody who's not as big of a star as John Cena was at his peak as a full-timer, but still WWE's biggest full-time star by far. And it's, it's, it's in some ways you could call Roman Reigns their last star. I, I wonder if we're going to see a, a WWE in future, in the future, in future years, especially if Vince McMahon continues to, to do well with his health and continues to be the head of creative. I feel like if Roman Reigns leaves WWE, they're in an even more vulnerable position. But then again, how much does Roman Reigns really add to WWE's economic picture when you take him out? They, they did take him out or he, you know, he sat out for all of March, 2020 through August, 2020 ratings did go down quite a bit. So maybe, maybe his absence did have a negative effect and the Thunderdome, and Roman Reigns coming back had a positive effect to TV ratings. Then again, they also had a positive effect to Raw, which he didn't appear on. So it's a cloudy picture as to whether, to what degree, Roman Reigns is really important to their economic picture and, uh, and whether or not WWE will, will be more vulnerable or their business will be more weakened without him around. I just want to point out too, John Cena was about 38, 39 when he was starting to appear in a lot of mainstream movies. I'm not counting the Marina and any of that stuff. Like yeah. when he was doing blockers and train rack and movies like that, it was around 2014, 2015. So, yeah, I guess what, what the situation that to, to be totally pessimistic. Uh, so this is not what I believe is going to happen or not what I'm predicting, but I could, you know, the worst case scenario here is, WWE takes all of its focus off of talent with a pro wrestling background, seeds all of that talent to, to AEW or it's any of its other, any of its, I don't want to say competitors, but other wrestling companies, um, doesn't create new stars, doesn't have the creative leadership and vision to effectively create new stars. Roman Reigns goes off to, to the movies and becomes a part-timer just like everybody else has, who's, you know, whether it's John Cena or, or Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker, et cetera, sh you know, shows up for a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. And uh, they have a lot of 
talents who are, you know, who are great college athletes, but are not necessarily well equipped to be pro wrestlers, probably big wrestling fans, but not necessarily, you know, highly experienced and well suited to be excellent pro wrestlers on the, on the highest stage while seeding all that talent to, to others, including AEW, uh, who continues to, we'll get into this later, but gain ground with a, a wide margin, uh, between AEW and WB, but continues to compete, uh, in more and more noticeable ways while, while WB perhaps loses value and doesn't have the, the talent to, to replenish, uh, its talent pool and to continue to become a powerful and popular brand, a pessimistic view. We do have a couple of questions from MJ in the chat that I think are good. Question is, is do you see WWE never wanting to have another single star and go with an everyone at the same level of mediocrity while the brand tramps all trumps all, sorry. Uh, and then he had a follow-up question too with that. Every single star they create has diminishing returns with getting over. So why keep running this playbook? Well, I, I don't think WB or Vince consciously, I, I think, yes, they, they consciously want the brand to be extremely strong and, and to their credit, they succeeded at that. But I don't buy this idea that they don't want anybody to get over. They just want the brand to be the star. I think Vince McMahon has put tremendous energy into trying to make Roman Reigns an, a, a massive star. Um, I think the last five years of their TV program show that, um, they would like Roman Reigns to be a much bigger star and a much more popular star. And, and many of their economic uh, levers would be, would be doing better because of it. He'd be a better merchandise seller. People would be more apt to watch the TV program. People would be more apt to subscribe to the W network or to Peacock. Um, they would have, have better TV ratings and perhaps they'd be able to negotiate even better TV deals. So while they do have, a weird relationship with their talent in terms of the, they don't seem to want to let their talent have too much control. Don't get a Twitch. Don't do a cameo. We want that to be through us. And we want to control everything that you do. It's in your contract. But, but they, I don't, I, but I do think Vince wants to create stars. He just, uh, you know, there's a lot of insecurities and, and weird things about what Vince wants and how Vince, Vince wants you to get over in the way that, that he wants to get over, not in some other way that the crowd decides. So, uh, this, among other things, compromises their ability to cultivate stars who are very popular and can drive economics. Um, but I, but I agree with um, something else that MJ said is, is about lowering the talent costs too. I don't think they want to. Uh, I think we don't have any real numbers about this. But my belief is that the cost of talent per talent has gone up over the last few years uh, since AEW has gotten involved. Um, so I think part of this this strategy, part of the, one of the factors here is that let's not compete for this talent with AEW and other players in the wrestling world. Wrestling is dumb anyway. We're not wrestling. We're, we're sports entertainment and media. We're going to go with this other section of talent that they're not going to compete for. And then we won't be competing over the same people and, and bidding up the cost of talent. So it's – and – in their own subjective world, it makes sense because Vince ends up not liking those kinds of people anyway. They're just, you know, short people who ended up being in their 30s by the time they get to Vince anyway. So, you know, he wants big, big athletes uh, that he can shape and he can take all the credit for. Um, he can be the one who created them and they and people can't point to success that they had 
uh, along similar lines in a similar business where they, where they can say, well, really he was, you know, or she was cultivated over here, even if it's in NXT with Triple H. I think it's it's important to Vince's personal psychology that he's able to take the credit for being the one who made this talent. Um, Matthew Schroeder brings up a question. Since NXT's inception, many wrestlers are, recall, I mean, how many wrestlers uh, that were called, I mean, roster were called homegrown talent? I don't think many. Uh, he says, what might they say about the NLL, NIL project? So I'm assuming that's where they're going to really go homegrown. This is a WWE, never been anywhere else, you know. Matt, Matt Schroeder and I have done a little bit of studying on that, and it's um, it's a few people. It's people that come to mind as like um, Baron Corbin, Charlotte Flair, Nia Jax, who's now released. Those are the uh, Alexa Bliss. Braun um, Strowman. Braun Strowman, who didn't do hardly anything in NXT, at least as far as on TV. Um, and Braun Strowman is no longer with the company. Bray Wyatt who's no longer with the company. Rusev, who's no longer with the company. These are the names that come to mind. Yeah. I don't I don't think they ever really dwelled on Bailey and Sasha Banks' independent wrestling pass either. I think they kind of took credit for them as well. Same with Becky Lynch. All had all had experience, but yeah. it's um yeah, it's very much not not zeros and ones. It's um there are there are some people who had a really short indie run and then ended up in WWE. Like like Sasha Banks didn't you know, she had a pretty short indie run. Uh, Bailey had more of an indie run. Um, yeah, it's uh, every, everybody's a little bit different. When when we've studied this in the past, I tried to use cage match match counts, which I know are not perfect and not a complete record of all wrestling ever. Um, but I tried to 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 look at like before you made it to the main roster and all the time before you were promoted to the main roster. However, we define that, which is a whole other problem. But before that time, what made up the majority of your match count was it matches in nxt or other developmental that was the wb system or was it outside of wb activity and and you know there are some people who have zero pre-wb experience and then and then there are others who are anywhere in between um so yeah but but there are not that many cases in the last five years or so of wrestlers who who fit who fit the uh who fit the the categorization of, of somebody you could really call pure and homegrown? But there are some: Alexa Bliss, Flair, Charlotte Flair, Baron Corbin, Nijax, Braun Strowman. I suppose Bray Wyatt, though Bray Wyatt was with the company before the PC was built. But yeah, and certainly I'm, others. I'm who are Roman Reigns and Big E too. Right, they're yeah. early NXT. Year, it, yeah. it depends on when you want to start the clock here. I mean, they were they were. Yeah. Often when, when I have this discussion, we kind of start the clock around July 2013 because that's when the PC opened. And But those are definitely examples of wrestlers who didn't have much, if any, experience in wrestling before they came to WWE, Big E and, and Roman Reigns. I'll ponder this question before we move on. Is Roman Reigns really the prototype of a Vince McMahon wrestler? Think about it. He's tall. He yes. played college football. Yes. He's a second-generation wrestler. Like, yes. Look at his hair. Oh, <laughs> look at him. <laughs> let's see here all right we're, we're gonna move on to some youtube uh uh data here and you've actually uh, been tracking uh the views uh brandon for the last week as far as youtube videos that came out between WWE and AEW, where they stack up so this is just the last seven days we might do this on a recurring basis but let's just here here's an example um these are the 20 videos on the wwe and AEW youtube channels that after 16 hours 
had the most views. Uh, the top six slots are all WB videos. The number one uh, by far, almost doubling the next video, is Brock Lesnar attacking Sami Zayn to face Roman Reigns from SmackDown this past Friday. Um, after that, we've got the, the top 10 highlights of um, SmackDown, the Miz and Maurice angle with Edge, the top 10 moments of Raw, another angle between Brock Lesnar and Sami Zayn, which is probably the, the, the angle that opened the show on SmackDown, the other one being the one that, that ranked number one being probably the, the angle that happened later in the show. I did kind of watch SmackDown uh, this past Friday. Number six is uh, Team Liv versus Team Becky Lynch. And then number seven, we have the first AEW video with just over half a million views after 16 hours, which is Cody Rhodes setting himself on fire for the business uh, in the street fight from this past Wednesday's Dynamite. Um, people watching on video can see the rest of them. We don't need to go through all 20. Uh, but this is something I'm working on. Um, I did uh, get some feedback from Matt. Uh, so I'm going to... I've, I've rewritten, so my, my idea here, if you can't tell, was to, every, for, for once the video has been online for 16 hours, so everybody has the same amount of time, each video has the same amount of time to collect views, look at it, so everybody's kind of uh, in, in a fair position relative to everybody else here. Um, it, it looks like it's the case, though, that after seven days, that's where the view counts for YouTube views really bottoms out. So what I'm going to try to do, and I've written a script that's that's doing this on a recurring basis right now, every eight hours, is collecting the the view count for every video that shows up on WWE and, and AEW's YouTube channel. So every eight hours for the following seven days, it will record the view count. So we will collect this data. The great thing about data is that once once you uh, once you allow time to pass, lots and lots of data gets collected. So we'll we'll look at this. It'll take at least one week to get a to get a good look at what this other way of collecting data uh, will provide us with. But uh, you know, you can It's kind of like DVR viewership, right? And which we're which we're going to talk about. Maybe we should talk about next because we've hyped this up so much. Uh, so. You know, a lot of the viewership happens very quickly, just like on TV. But then it's, there's still viewership being collected for about seven days or so. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, uh, you know, one, one of the great things about the Internet is there's lots of public data out here, data that is not even meant to be data. But um, if, if we can create automated ways to uh, collect this data, we can hopefully get some, some meaningful insights. All right. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you want, let's do that, Brandon. Let's actually to go to. Uh, we'll skip. We'll go back to like we'll do Google Trends after this. But yeah, let's go to the DVR because it's we have them now. We have DVR numbers. And what yeah. story did it tell? It's like this is like um an old school Madison Square Garden event where we put Hulk Hogan on in the middle. So we're gonna use just to lay out some terminology here and some jargon here, uh, so everybody knows what we're talking about. We're gonna talk about. Two, at least two different kinds of matches. We're going to talk about this over the various demographics that people may be familiar with, but mainly we're just going to focus on total viewership and 18 to 49. Um, but just so everybody's clear on the terminology that we're using here, you're going to see here and hear us say live plus same day a lot. Live plus same day is just the viewership that you're used to hearing about that I talk about all the time. It's the viewership that is counted by... Uh, by Nielsen and reported by Showbiz Daily or by me as this is, this is what the viewership was last night. 
That's the regular old-fashioned viewership, live plus same day. If you're watching on video, you'll see it abbreviated as live plus, or I'm sorry, L plus SD. L plus SD, you'll see that on the screen. And then there's the DVR viewership, which we'll, we'll be referring to as live plus seven day. This is all of the viewership, the live plus same day viewership, plus all of the DVR slash delayed viewing for the following seven days. So all the DVR, the DVR viewership is the live plus seven. Uh, that's all of it added up. Not the difference that was added, but all of it together. Um, we will talk about what, what DVR viewership is, though, in terms of a percent, which is what we're going to do right now. Um, so here I have, we're going to talk about total viewership first, and then we will talk about the demo. Um, so this is total viewership on the screen right now uh, for what is the percentage of the total viewership that is DVR viewership over seven days. So we, we have a pretty good idea of what live plus same day viewership is. SmackDown is the most viewed wrestling program on television. After that, it's Raw by, by a thin margin. After that, it's Dynamite. After that, it's usually NXT lately. And then after that, it's it's Rampage, although, and although Rampage does much better in the demo than NXT does. And then well below all those is, is Impact. Um, so here I have it averaged by month. And what we see is AEW, This the main takeaway I have here is that AEW programs generally have more DVR viewership by percentage than WWE programs do. In the case of Dynamite, uh, before the Wednesday Night War ended in April, their DVR viewership percentage was higher. And it's diminished somewhat, but still in this... Um, November, the November row that you're seeing here is not a complete month. Uh, there's at least one data point still to come. But let's look at October, the most recently completed full month that we have data for. 18% was their DVR plus 7 viewership, whereas uh, NXT was 13%, Raw was 16%, SmackDown was 14%. Uh, but you can understand why during the Wednesday Night War it might have been higher because some people may have been choosing to watch NXT live rather than Dynamite, and then maybe we're catching up on Dynamite later on DVR. Uh, in the case of Rampage, uh, it's it's quite high. In August, it was 32%. In September, it was 39%. In October, it was 47%. Almost half of the viewership in October of Rampage was via DVR. Um, <laughs> and then so far... So far in November, it's 31. And why does it make sense, Chris Gullo? It's a late night program. It's a late show. Friday, Friday at 10, you know, I mean, yeah. so people are probably watching Saturday morning. I've watched it Saturday morning. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, by the way, I'm sure people are, are wondering. I'm not I'm not quite sure how all this, what kind of viewership may be counted as, as DVR through through the, we, we imagine surely through the, the traditional DVR set top box this is being counted but if you watch it later through some sort of app or i would watch it through sling where i have all these programs recorded through sling that's probably being counted if at least if i'm a nielsen home it would be um but yeah um impact 
I, I don't, I'm, we're probably only going to talk about impact in terms of total viewership. I do have all the demos for impact, but I feel like it's so volatile with all the other demos because it's not the, the total audience. So we're dealing with a very small sample and I feel like there's a lot of artificial volatility here. But anyway, uh, we, we do see something that appears to be consistent with, with impact, which is, you know, 20% or a quarter, sometimes as much as a third of their viewership is DVR. So, uh, in October, it was 21%. In July, it was as high as 34%. So Impact's percentage of delayed viewing is higher than even Dynamite's is lately. Not as high as Rampage with its late night time slot, but higher than, than Dynamite and higher than any of the WWE programs. Um, interesting in the case of NXT that uh, their DVR viewership in the... Uh, the, I only have this year to date, so I don't have this going back before January 1st, 2021. Um, but during the Wednesday Night War, which was of this year, January, February, March, and half of April, um, NXT had a lower percentage of DVR viewership. I haven't put a lot of thought into how to read that, um, but I guess people who uh, were watching... Dynamite is one way to read it. People who were watching Dynamite live instead of NXT maybe were not making as much of a point to watch NXT later on delayed viewing. Uh, that, so, so just to read the numbers, in January, 19%. In February, 18%. In March, 19%. It does go down a little bit uh, in April to 16 In May to 15%. goes up in June to 19 And it's been between... Uh, 10% and 15% after that. Um, so quite low. In the incomplete month of November, it's at 10%, which is the lowest in that month of any of these six programs. I could infer a narrative on that of, you know, people are not making sure that they're not missing the program. Uh, it's kind of similar. It's very, it's very comparable percentage actually to to smackdown if you look at smackdown here which is on the screen right now where smackdown's dvr uh percentage of viewership was 11 percent uh so far in november again we're missing one or two weeks out of november but smackdown is under 20 percent in all of the months so far of 2021 uh raw also under 20 percent but closer to 20 percent uh more so in the high teens more so in the teens, whereas SmackDown is more along the lines of 15%. This is total viewership. And by the way, just to visualize this, this is taking all of those monthly averages and putting them on a line graph here. If you're looking at this on video and you see Rampage is just in a different universe as far as DVR viewership uh, by percentage. Um, so there's that. We will we should be able to talk about um, how how this looks like in terms of actual viewership. Um, as, as I'm being texted about, uh, absolute numbers, we will, we'll, we'll look at that, uh, in a moment. Um, <clears throat> so just to look quickly at the key demo, is there a big difference in the demo between these, uh, these, I've got these two tables here. Uh, this in, with the green heading is the, is the demo where, I don't know, dynamite is 22% in, in November it's 19%. Um, so I, I don't see huge differences here between the demo and total viewership. Um, maybe we would find them if we looked more closely. Um, 
so and these are the two line graphs i took uh, I, I i took impact off of here because it was all over the place um so we're not looking at impact in the, in the demo um but this is uh this is the line graph for the demo again rampage in another universe here dynamite usually above the rest but in some in in uh, september and october was much more comparable to raw and smackdown uh nxt in this 2.0 era after you know september and afterward is sliding below the rest and it's not as pronounced in total viewership right where it's very much more in line with smackdown nxt is when we just look at total viewership um so let's see here these are the actual numbers of the most recent weeks so we uh, we are, you'll see here we have blanks here for the final week of November, not for a dynamite actually though, but, uh, it's just the, sort of the way the dates go. So <clears throat> these are the actual numbers. I don't know what we're really going to say about them real quick here, uh, other than recite, uh, numbers. What I should do is I should write a report about this and put it up for patrons, share some of this inf information publicly on Twitter as well. Uh, so I'll plan on doing that. Uh, if not later today, uh, maybe tomorrow. Um, because I don't, I don't just want to get into into audio here or video where I'm just reading a bunch of numbers. Um, but that's this is uh, what we're looking at here is Dynamite, Raw, and SmackDown, and then over here is NXT and Rampage. Um, some things that did jump out to me when I was looking at this though is we have we have TV rating scandal here. <clears throat> uh, Chris Gullis, as a, as an AEW shill, has been trying to suppress this this news for months. <clears throat> We've, we've uncovered it now. So the games are over, Chris Cullo. So as yeah, people may all know. The people in the Facebook groups <laughs> called me an AEW shill, an AEW mark. So as people yeah. may know, Dynamite, Dynamite has never come close really to, to Raw in total viewership. But there are two occasions, two occasions where Dynamite essentially tied, slightly, slightly exceeded Raw in the demo of 18 to 49. Uh, those weeks were the first two weeks of September uh, for Raw. They were the first two weeks of September. Uh, Raw was going up against college football before the NFL season started in the first week of September. Uh, and then in the second week, it was going against the first night of Monday Night Football of the season. And in those, in those weeks, um, live plus same day was 681,000 for Dynamite, 678,000. So 3,000 higher for dynamite that week um and then 574,000 for dynamite in the following week 556,000 for raw uh on the monday before it so but so so dynamite beat raw live plus same day my phone my phone is blowing up with texts here as i'm as i'm as i'm uh revealing this information. <laughs> uh, so sorry if I sound distracted. But if we go to the DVR viewership, uh, and it kind of makes sense, right? Maybe you were watching the football game, and then you were catching up on Raw later. Raw, uh, on that first week of September, actually it was, for, uh, it was August 30th uh, for Raw, and it was September 1st for Dynamite. So this is the the Dynamite, this is the week before the all-out pay-per-view, before Danielson and Adam Cole debuted. With the DVR viewership, um, 
Raw did, let's highlight the row that I'm talking about here. Raw did 799 viewers in delayed viewing, and Dynamite did 771. So again, live plus same day, Dynamite beat them by 3,000 viewers. But when you add in the DVR viewership, uh, Raw beat it by, what is this? 8 plus 10 plus 9, whatever 799 minus 771,000 is. So by several thousand, by a couple dozen thousand viewers, small margin, but by a margin, Raw did in fact beat Dynamite when you count the delayed viewing. And then the following week, when again Dynamite edged out Raw by, what is this, 8,000 viewers, if you add in the DVR viewership, they were tied 692 thousand viewers in the key demo so live plus same day yes dynamite has beaten raw twice live plus seven though live plus seven raw has still never uh i don't maybe maybe uh before 2021 maybe in december it's it's different i I don't know what happened in december i don't have all that data for pre-2021 if anyone who has a nielsen subscription or has that data would like to share it with me feel free um but Raw, in 2021, has never been beaten by Dynamite when you count DVR plus 7. So there's that. Uh, I think we kind of uh, touched on this. That, yes, Dynamite DVR viewership by percentage did, did go down after the end of the Wednesday Night War. Um, and then during the preemptions, I thought this was remarkable, too. Um, how much DVR viewing was happening when raw well i'm sorry when um dynamite was preempted uh, out of its normal time slot so that would be we can filter this out and i'll make this bigger in a moment so people can actually see it <clears throat> so these are all of the preemptions for for every show so far that has been preempted so far this year and we'll look at total viewership first oh dear let's see uh so if we look at the delayed viewing, which is this this column right here, this is that time between late May and late June when oh we gotta we gotta look at a different uh, way of displaying this here so you can see all that. There we go. So when when AEW Dynamite was preempted because of the NBA playoffs, right in uh, late May and throughout June, yeah. um. Their DVR viewership by percentage was in most cases more than half of the total total viewership. Um, 58%, um, 58%, 72%, 63%. I'm reading numbers, this is the best part of, of Wrestleomics. And then in the last week was was just 46%. So that that brought their their total viewership, which measured live plus same day at you know half a million viewers, uh the last week, which was the Saturday night, not the Friday night. By the way, this was this is where they were being moved to Friday at ten, and the last week of that string of preemptions, they were moved to Saturday at eight, where the viewership performed better because you know it was in prime time, so it was probably a better time slot. But anyway, they were doing about a half a million viewers in those Friday night preemptions, sort of testing out the rampage time slot. 
if you add in the DVR viewership, they, they did, you know, in, in most cases, uh, over 800,000 viewers or very close to 800,000 viewers in, in the case of this one example from, uh, from June 11th. So it, suffice to say, they did numbers that were close to what their live plus same day numbers were at the time in their normal time slot. Not what they would be doing with with DVR viewership in those normal time slot weeks, but cl- but close to what they had been doing live plus same day when you added in the uh, the delayed viewing. Um, and these percentages are are much higher than what NXT did when it was preempted to Sci-Fi, which was just its sort of normal fifteen percent or so, uh, higher than what SmackDown did when it was preempted to FS1. Uh, on the two occasions that it was preempted to FS1, where it did 15% and 7% DVR viewing. Um, and then again, when Dynamite was preempted to Saturday, why was it preempted again? Because of hockey, right? Because of the, the, the first hockey games? Is that, so. does that sound, what's that? Yeah, but, you know, I, I believe so, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, hockey, yeah. 29% in the first week on October 16th, and then 60% on the second week. Uh totaling both of those numbers to over 900,000 viewers. Um, so there's that. Uh, if we, I imagine we will see something similar if we look at the demo where it's well over 50% in the string of spring preemptions. Uh, NXT is higher than it was in total viewership in the demo with 22, 33%, and it's sci-fi preemptions, 26%, and 13% for SmackDown's two FS1 preemptions, and then 31%, and then a much higher 67% for the for the October preemptions. Uh, there's that. Um, okay. I, I have all of this data going all across all the demos, which is just a ton, a ton of data. Um, so there's that. Uh, to, to quickly look at median age, median age does not change that much um, when including the DVR viewership. It barely changes is what I took away. Um, so there's that. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts or questions to share there. Um, if you want to make people really mad, I can show you oh, this, this graph. I've, I've taken it away apparently, but I think I can put these, these data points back on. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, this is, this is what, the, what the graph looks like for um, total viewership when we include in the dotted line here the plus 7 viewership, uh, where even when adding in the DVR plus 7 viewership for Dynamite across all this time, year to date, it doesn't quite approach the live plus same day total viewership for Raw. Uh, it's kind of trivial, but if we looked at this in terms of 18 to 49, it's a big mess of, of overlap. Um, but raw still is above. And in one case equal to raw, never below, uh, raw, never below dynamite. Anyway, at least in 2021. Um, I just, I'm very excited that we now have this data for the future. Uh, it seems like, you know, and I'm very like, I, I wouldn't I count think, on having the state in the future, but it's okay. But, but, it, but I do have, you know, you had now, but you're not sure we'll have it in the future. All right. Um, yeah, but, uh, I'm very interested to see how, like, and it, there's no way to track this, but how YouTube really kind of cuts into DVR viewership. And I mean that in aspect of moments, right? So CM Punk's promo that obviously did very well on YouTube when he came back maybe DVR viewership could have, would have been more up if it wasn't put right out on YouTube I don't know. And, and all that. I don't so. know. I, I mean, that's the thing that on its surface makes sense. I, I don't know how much I really believe that. Like that certainly if there was no YouTube, if we lived in 
2004, when YouTube didn't exist, the only way to get video of that stuff, if there wasn't internet video, would be through your television. And DVRs existed in 2004. I guess it would have to be higher. Um, but on the other hand, I think somebody who decides they're going to watch a program on DVR is probably going to watch most of the program. There's, As George Berrios um, ta taught us all, uh, there's the lean inexperience where maybe, maybe you're watching something on your phone. And then there's the lean back experience where you're going to watch something on your, on your, your TV set because you have two hours of time here. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of skeptical about media cannibalization. I'm sure it's happening to some degree, but I think it's mostly overestimated. All right. Well, we, uh, we're going to switch gears. It is a new month with, which means we have November numbers for Google Trends. Google Trends. Yes. So I threw this together. We're just going to look at the top 24 worldwide and the U.S. We'll look at, we'll look at personalities first. Um, this will only show us personalities related to WWE and AEW. Uh, I did include New Japan people in this, but nobody from New Japan made, made the top 20. Roman Reigns is number one in November by a really wide margin. What's what's 58 divided by 17, Chris Golo? 58 divided by 17 is th almost three and a half times. So almost so 3.4x is the answer. So Roman Reigns, on a worldwide basis, at least according, according to Google Trends, in its algorithmic wisdom, Roman Reigns, 3.4 times greater in web search volume in November, than his nearest full-time wrestling peer, Randy Orton, in this case. And then we have John Moxley surging way up with the news of, of, of him going to rehab, I suppose. Um, John Moxley is, is the highest-ranked uh, person uh, for AEW. This was you know, three times higher than what it usually is for John Moxley. Uh, in in this month of November, uh, and then after that we have Bray Wyatt. We have some some released WWE talents here: Bray Wyatt, Nia Jax, <clears throat> excuse me, Rey Mysterio, The Miz, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, Sasha Banks, and then CM Punk coming in at number eleven. Uh, Carmella, Kenny Omega, which was the third uh, AEW personality here. He's higher than he was in the previous month, but comparable to where he was in September. Charlotte Flair. Alexa Bliss, the former WWE talent, Braun Strowman. Adam Page jumping up here in the month of his title win. Uh, Brian Danielson, who's well down from where he was when he moved over, but still at number 18 here. Jeff Hardy and Asuka. I didn't include people who I just sort of subjectively, arbitrarily decided were not full-time, like John Cena and The Rock. They, they would rank very highly here. Dwayne and, and John Cena would probably yeah. rank above any of Cena and, and Reigns tend to be neck and neck, but the rock is well above anybody here. Um, in the past, we've also had bad bunny in here. Uh, the most listened to artist on Spotify again this year, bad bunny barbers everywhere rejoice. Um, <clears throat> so in the United States, it's only slightly different. Um, most notably we have Seth Rollins at number two, when we limit the search results just to the United States, I imagine that's got to do with him being attacked by a fan on Raw. <laughs> so Google Trends differences, especially when we're talking about a small, uh, relatively small amount of time, like a month, 
are not always about name ID. I think generally, especially across a broad period of time, they do tell us something about name ID and perhaps popularity. But in smaller amounts of time, they tend to tell us about who's in the news, whether that's Seth Rollins or whether that's John Moxley here, who's number three in the United States. Um, and then we've got Becky Lynch, The Miz, Sasha Banks, which who notably, I, I, I'm always impressed that Sasha Banks is ranked more highly than Charlotte Flair. Um, a, 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 a big talking, should be more of a talking point for Sasha Banks stands out there on Twitter. Uh, followed by R- Randy Orton, who is number two on the worldwide list, but is only number seven on the U.S. list. Uh, so Randy Orton, a big international draw, just like Bret Hart was, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, followed by CM Punk, Charlotte Flair, Rey Mysterio, Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax. Uh, Nia Jax is up this month in the month of her release. Liv Morgan, who is not on this list in on the worldwide uh, scope. Carmella, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, who is not on the worldwide top 20. Brian Danielson, and then Keith Lee in the month of his release, uh, well above where he's usually at. So there's that. Liv Morgan has to do with the push. They've been pushing her really hard on Raw, so. So there's that. Um, in terms of companies, what's what's the uh, the web search volume competition like between WB and AEW? I have here on the screen for people who are watching on video a line chart showing the entire timeline that AEW has existed, which is January 2019 through the present, the most recently completed month of November. And we have, uh, so we, we're never talking about absolute numbers, unfortunately. When, we, when it comes to Google Trends, they do not make absolute numbers available to us. They only give us relative data. So I've done a bunch of stuff with Python uh, to try to enhance the granularity and, and to allow us to put more than five items on it on a chart at once. But anyway, the relative values, these are, these are relative values uh, in November WWE was at a 219, 219 to AEW's 52. So about four times the search volume WWE had versus AEW, four times the search volume of AEW. Uh, AEW is down by about half from its peak in September, uh, coming off the debut of CM Punk and including the debut of um, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole in September, where they were at 100 and... WWE was at 206, so where, where in this month, WWE is four times AEW. In September, they were only two times, but that was clearly a peak month where, where AEW had exceptional interest because of the debut of new talent, and then it's sort of normalized back to where it was in July. Uh, equal, in fact, according to this, where it was in July. That's worldwide, and the margin, I've actually, I actually don't have United States right here. I'm realizing that these are the exact same chart. So this is not United States. This is worldwide. Um, and uh, But we can talk about companies. And people are probably saying, well, wh- why pick on WB here? Don't you know that all metrics are down for everybody across time? And uh, is it really fair to, to think that the decline of WB web search, for whatever that's worth, obviously web search does not drive revenue but maybe it is reflective of something meaningful. Uh, isn't it the case for other sports that those other sports leagues are also seeing similar declines like WWE is? By the way, the the, the grand story across the years of WWE 
Google web search, both in the United States and, and worldwide, is, is really one of, of consistent decline from 2016 to the present. Uh, if you compare this to other sports leagues, though, and maybe COVID's a factor here. You compare this to other sports leagues. Uh, we do see big dips, for example, for the NBA. Um, big dip during 2020. But, but the NBA surged right back up, and it's, it's at its all-time high here, apparently, so far in 2021. Um, Premier League at an all-time high. So we see a lot of growth here across all these different kinds of sports leagues. Um, across this broad course of time, we even see... UFC uh, hold pretty consistently and now has, you know, W has fallen to the point where UFC now surpasses WWE. The NHL in this year is surpassing WWE, where, whereas that was not the case until this year. Um, so there's that. NASCAR is, is, is the one league that we have on this chart that is still well below WWE. Um, Formula One, big growth coinciding with the timing of Drive to Survive, the Netflix docuseries. Um, see La Liga growing in Google web search volume. Uh, the NFL down in 2020, and now not at the point where it was in 2018, maybe not even 2019, but it's, uh, it's here. This is worldwide. So if people are wondering in, in sort of a broader sports conversation, what's the most popular sport in the world, sports league in the world? Uh, Google web search, as we just kind of noted, it's, it's, it's not necessarily equal to popularity, but maybe it tells us something about popularity. And I think it does tell us something about name ID when it's looked at in a, in a, in a over a broad course of time. And maybe it's the Premier League. Premier League appears to be by far the most searched for league among the leagues that we're currently looking at. Maybe I'm forgetting some league here, but uh, Premier League is by a pretty wide margin more pop, more I don't want to say popular, but has more search volume than any of these other leagues, including the NBA. The Indian Premier League, the Cricket League, has exploded in Google web search volume from about 2015 and onward. Um, so where it's at number three here, followed by La Liga, the NFL, Formula One, MLB, and even uh, you know, WB here was, was in, uh, in the 2010s above Major League Baseball and has fallen below. Um, again, this is worldwide. Do you have something? Yeah. So also, too, most of these uh, leagues that you mentioned just recently signed giant TV rights deals. And every news source like Sports Illustrated and ESPN and all that are reporting it. And, you know, people are like, oh, what is what is this? What is that? Oh, what is the deal? I I, I think find that might be, you know, a contributing factor is this year. A lot of these leagues made news. Other than you know, to the common sports fan, you know, yeah, it's it's definitely something that that's reflective of big news stories. Um, yeah. I would speculate that a, a lot of this this increase, I mean, I, I, this pure this is purely speculation. But I, I would speculate for WWE, where we see if people are watching on video, you'll see a, 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 a nice gradual increase from about 2013, and then peaking in 2016 for WWE. I would speculate that that's got to do with the W network and you know, a talking point for them right now with Peacock is that we have a wider reach than ever for, for the W network content and for the pay-per-view content, which is true. Uh, the, the advent of the W network in 2014, it was, it was introduced in February, 2014. Um, this is my personal experience. So maybe I'm just prone to projection here is that 
um, people started watching all the pay-per-views. Whereas that was not the experience for a lot of people before the, the network came out, right? Maybe they, they saw a few pay-per-views a year, if that. Uh, maybe they watched the TV and never watched the pay-per-views. But the pay-per-views became much more much cheaper to access. Um, and you had all the other content. And I, I, I took an interest in WrestleNomics in 2014. Uh, so that, that was my personal experience. And that, then the web search volume coincides with that for whatever that's worth that's that's worldwide in the united states if you're wondering what the most searched for leagues are in the united states the nfl is by far number one well not by far it's close to, to nba they're at, they measure at a relative value of 46 in 2021 the nfl does to the nba's 41 <clears throat> followed by major league baseball all this follows intuitions right that we i perceive the nfl is the most popular sport in the united states by far Television viewership bears that out. Uh, the NBA is next. Baseball is after that. As far as team sports, then I perceive the NHL to be after that. But the number four most searched for sports league among these that I've arbitrarily selected here, not the NHL, not even the Premier League with its new TV deal, but UFC gradually on the rise here. Not, not as high as it was in the heyday of... Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor back in 2016, where it was higher than it is now. But um, but UFC at, 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 at about a nine, whereas the NFL is at a 46, the NBA at a 40, uh, MLB at a 29. So so far less searched for by about a, a third, right? Yeah, about by about a third than baseball, Major League Baseball. But UFC, is UFC the fourth most popular sports league? in the United States, Chris Gullo, what are your thoughts? I, I, I agree. And, um, obviously this is an attractable, uh, statistic, but just from everyday life, I work with a lot of males, probably between the age of like late twenties to like mid forties. Right. And, you know, water cooler conversation or whatever. Mm-hmm. We talk sports a lot. NFL is obviously number one. NBA is number two. And I'd say baseball and UFC are always talked about. And then everything else is kind of briefly talked about that. This matches up. I can tell you from conversations with people, UFC gets talked a lot more than the NHL and, and the premier league and just conversations of just guys talking sports. You know? how, how does WB, how does, how does AEW, how does wrestling fare in, in, in your water cooler measurement? There's a couple guys in my office that have, have an interest in wrestling and they come to me and they're like, Hey, did you watch this? Just cause they know my background, but it's, a very small percentile of the office that actually wants to talk wrestling. Okay. So there's that. I mean, this is, um, again, this is something that I'm going to continue and, and, and it kind of already had been, but I've got like sort of a more automated way to track this over time. Thanks. Thanks to Python. Um, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> a really quick look at uh, what's, what's been happening lately with live events. Um, WrestleTix tweeted the averages for uh, the monthly averages for AEW and WWE. Um, WWE, of course, is doing a lot more events than AEW is. Uh, in November, WWE did 21 events, at least 21 events that, that WrestleTix covered, which I think is all of them. Uh, 21 events for WWE, seven events for AEW, so that's three times the events. Uh, in October 16 to 4, in September 16 to 7, in August 15 to 4, in July, the first uh, month back on the road, 9 to 4. But the 
average attendances, uh, again, the sum, the total total attendances, of course, for WWE would be far higher. They run far more events, but the average average tickets distributed. So this includes comps. This is these are estimates that that WrestleTix is making based on looking at ticket maps on ticket outlets like Ticketmaster. But uh, November AEW's average was a little bit higher than WWE's. Uh, this includes house shows for WWE, whereas it doesn't include house shows for AEW. So I want to point out all the caveats. But for what it's worth, uh, AEW averaged just over 6,000 tickets distributed in November to WWE's 5,800. Uh, WWE was ahead of AEW in October with 6,500 to AEW's 4,800. Um, but in September, uh, that is the other month that AEW was ahead. September, of course, included the Arthur Ashe Stadium show. And the uh, the Newark show, which had quite high attendances, uh, a nine thousand seven hundred average in tickets distributed to WWE's September average of seven thousand eight hundred. Uh, I'm rounding up here to the nearest hundred. So there's that, and in and in July and August, W was well ahead of AEW uh, by multiple thousands. Uh, and this is showing Raw on the road. Uh, just, just to note, I think the reason why I put this in the slides is I just wanted to note that in Long Island, at UBS Arena, the new home of the New York Islanders, tickets distributed according to Russell Ticks was 5,887. 5,887. Uh, and the the like-to-like comparison that everyone is watching is Dynamite this coming Wednesday at the same venue, only nine days apart. I think that's the, the right number of days. Uh, again, Raw did 5,887. That's with it being Raw. And uh, they put Roman Reigns in an advertised role. He ended up being in a dark match, but he was advertised. This is with the uh, the advertised Return of Edge. Discounted tickets. There were many graphics we're seeing uh, with uh, two-for-one ticket sales and things like that out there for this event for Raw at the UBS Arena. And uh, Dynamite this coming Wednesday has tickets distributed of 8,658. So that is nearly 3,000 tickets more than than Raw. So well above. Um, and w- w- one can infer all sorts of narratives there if one wanted to. All right. Uh, we'll move on uh, to a article from John Pollock at Post Wrestling. Uh, WWE has postponed four Canadian dates for January 2022 with the shows being moved to later in the year. The company was scheduled to host Friday Night SmackDown from the Canada Life Center in Winnipeg, Manitoba on January 21st, followed by live events of Regina and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan that weekend, and then an episode of Raw on January 24th from Ebbets in Alberta. The four dates have been moved to September and October of 2022. Now, WWE has issued the following statement to Post Wrestling, confirming the changes on new dates. The Friday Night SmackDown live events was scheduled for January 21st, 2022, at Canada Life Center Winnipeg is being scheduled to Friday, September 30th. The WB Super Show live event scheduled for January 22nd, 2022 at the Brandt Center in Regina has been rescheduled to Saturday, October 1st. The WB Super Show live event scheduled for January 23rd, 2022 at the Sask Tell Center in Saskatoon 
has been rescheduled and will now be live on Sunday, October 2nd. And lastly, the WWE Monday Night Raw live event scheduled for January 24th, 2022 at Rogers Place in Edmonton has been rescheduled to Monday, September 26th. Tickets are currently on sale through Ticketmaster.ca and all originally purchased tickets will be honored for the rescheduled dates. So yeah, there we, and uh, we actually have U.S. dates now. Friday, January 22nd, SmackDown will be at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Saturday, January 22nd, it will be a live event at the Corbin Arena in Corbett, Kentucky. Sunday, January 23rd, we will be at the uh, WWE will be at the Mount Health Arena in Huntington, West Virginia. And then Monday, January 24th, Raw will be at the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio. I feel like a 1996 version of Superstars. Like, this is where WWE is going to be in your town. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. This is Chris Gallo from the Event Center. Um, <laughs> so th- this is a, a, a good job of reporting from John Pollock, from our, our friends and, and media partners at Post Wrestling. Um, list- listening to John and Way talk about this uh, in, their, in their daily news updates that you can... Uh, check out right right here on youtube on the post wrestling youtube channel uh and those uh the audio versions of those are on their patreon as well um it sounds like this is related to concerns about travel to get to royal rumble on time uh with royal rumble happening on a saturday as opposed to a sunday um i'm wondering if covid had anything to do with this if if uh, concerns about the Omicron variant, is that how you say it? The the new variant of, of COVID maybe give them some uncertainty about crossing the border. I don't know. Um, but yeah, interesting to note that. WWE not going to, um, they are still going to Toronto though, right? This is, uh, I think they're going to Toronto in this month of December. I don't know if you can check on that real quick. Because they are coming here to Buffalo uh, in late December for house show, for their holiday 30th, tour. Yeah. Um, Let's see. But there's all that. Yeah, the 29th, they're in Toronto. Okay, there you go. At the Coca-Cola Coliseum, which I wonder if that's what they changed the Rico's name. That's to, got so. it's got to be. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Um, I think uh, oh, we do have this big news from Warner Media. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, this is actually reported from uh, Andrew Thompson at Post Wrestling. Roads to the Top is coming back for a second season per report. The season finale of Cody and Brandy Rhodes, Rhodes to the Top reality series on TNT, aired on October 23rd. Season one featured six episodes, and according to Figure Four Wrestling Online's Dave Meltzer, the show has been renewed for a second season. There were no additional details about the reported season renewal. The show premiered in September and took a look at the lives of Brandy and Cody as they were preparing to welcome their daughter Liberty into the world. Cody is also returning as a judge for season two of Go Big Show on TBS. Rhodes headlined this past week's Dynamite in a tag match, and he'll be in action on December 1st when AEW goes live from Duluth, Georgia. A formal announcement has not been made about the renewal of Rhodes to the top. Yes, but according to Dave Meltzer, it has been renewed. Um, so it was, what, six episodes? Pretty short season, which I understand is, is normal, uh, especially for unscripted series. Don't call them reality series. Uh, six episodes curious to see how long this one will be probably more episodes and i i guess they do have uh the no they already did the birth right but anyway uh yeah. ratings for, for, what's that oh yeah now now it's gonna be the balance of being parents and now brandy's back wrestling so yes i'm sure there will be an episode on uh brandy rose setting a table on fire and uh cody rhodes ongoing uh struggle with the audience 
to be loved by the audience. Um, ratings for Roads to the Top were okay, not blow away. Um, they were okay. Um, so we'll see what these do. I imagine, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't imagine that the roads are going to be, uh, the, uh, the ratings are going to be that much stronger. But, uh, but it's, it's something that's probably good enough for, for their slot. And if I can get these on the screen here, I have to use a different display here, but there we go. I'll make this much bigger. We can quickly re remind ourselves what the ratings were. Uh, some of these were on Wednesday night right after Dynamite. Some of these were on Saturday night uh, for the uh, October preemptions. But uh, 422,000 viewers, 443, 295, 340, 309. Uh, as, a, as a demo rating... That was total viewership. In the in the demo, they did anywhere between 0.11 and 0.19. So kind of uh, NXT level numbers, I guess. Those are in the range of what NXT has been doing, or maybe a little bit lower. Uh, NXT has been doing about a 0.15 lately in the demo for, for some context. All right. And uh, we'll move on to uh, this is some fast national news here. Uh, only yeah, fast yeah, yeah. affiliates this week. As far as I know, yeah. nobody has reported fast nationals for Rampage. Yep. I've got, yeah, I've got a blank here. Just that SmackDown news. Yes. Yep. Preliminary uh, for SmackDown last night measured at 1.966 million, according to Spoiler TV. Nearly identical to last week's prelim. Uh, final last week, though, was higher than usual related to prelim. Uh, expect final rating reported Monday around 2.05 million to 2.15 million. That is your estimate, Brandon. Yes. So very similar number to last week. This week did have Brock Lesnar. You think maybe Brock Lesnar would pop a rating? Was there competition that was offsetting any increase that maybe a Brock Lesnar appearance would provide? I don't know. Then again, Brock Lesnar hasn't exactly been absent from TV for months and months. He's been on TV fairly recently, but not in the last week or two, right? He's been suspended, of course, right? That's the angle uh, with Adam Pierce. But uh, normal rating for SmackDown, it appears. We'll get the final number, of course, on Monday, tomorrow, as we record this. Uh, yeah. I don't read too much into it, but but ratings holding up uh, at a time when, as I've, I've talked about this on Thursday, at a time when uh, AEW Dynamite ratings and, and Rampage ratings uh, are on the decline. Uh, some of that in, in Dynamite's case is because of the West Coast thing that's happening because NHL games are now airing at 10 p.m. Eastern and those games have to air live. So Dynamite has been airing live on the West Coast, which means it airs earlier than prime time. Nonetheless, this past Wednesday's rating for Dynamite, this wasn't the first time that was happening. This was roughly the fourth time that was that West Coast feed thing was happening. Uh, and the rating was down from those recent weeks. So... Uh, something happening, and, and, and Rampage hasn't exactly, exactly been doing great numbers either. Um, something happening with AEW ratings lately. Not sure what. Um, before we wrap up, we do just have a couple of YouTube questions uh, that were here. There was a question, or well, a couple questions. There was a question on YouTube, actually. Do they actually know how many unique views are in the count versus just counting clicks? I would think that this is the most important info, so... You know, when people are clicking on YouTube, it's well, not just actually like somebody clicking it a bunch of times. I mean, I, mean, I would think. Views. What's the replay value? I, I, I don't think that the that there would be a huge difference between unique clicks, unique people, and views. And even if there is a big difference, 
the value here for YouTube and for the content creators on YouTube um, is impressions, right? So even if, and I hope people do, even if you watch WrestleNomics, live WrestleNomics radio five times today, which you should, um, you're still seeing the full serving of ads each time, right? So that's still, and you're seeing different ads probably every time. Maybe you're seeing some of them again, reinforcing the ad message. But I, um, as far as that value, um, even if you rewatch something, I think there's a, a, an added value economically. Um, I saw some, someone had an, a question about streaming too, which, which, I was, is, a, which is a was common the question. It depends on what you mean by streaming. If you're, I, 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 I'm assuming that what's being asked about here is weekly TV streaming. Um, yeah. So, if by streaming you mean live TV streaming, which here's the jargon, VMVPDs, virtual MVPDs, which are things like Sling, Hulu Live TV, not to be confused with Hulu in general, but Hulu Live TV, YouTube TV, these you know these these streaming services that offer live access to to traditional TV channels, just like a normal cable system would, um, those are counted in Nielsen. Those are counted in Nielsen. Um, what's not counted in Nielsen is if you watch Raw SmackDown on Hulu the next day. That's not counted. AEW has no analog to that. Um, Impact has no analog to that. Are the network apps counted? What I mean by that is if you watch the TNT app on Roku or the USA app on Roku or the Fox app, like on Roku, Amazon. If you're watching apps? live, I think so. Yeah. Is question is is there an ability to watch those things on delayed viewing on those apps keep i have not frame. seen keep it. yourself in the frame chris call yeah oh sorry i i i have not seen it <laughs> uh like i will actually you know watch uh raw on usa app uh aw and tnt app but live fox i yeah live yeah, yeah I'll watch i think those are counted those live. i don't think there is any i don't think you can watch those on demand i haven't found them on demand I, so I, I tell you, I think the next day TNT does offer AEW, but I wouldn't be able to do it like in a couple hours after it aired Dynamite or Rampage. Okay. Um, I think the live viewing through the apps is counted. I think this is something we tried to find out when Nick Khan made a comment to Forbes saying, well, the, the viewership on the Fox app that people are using isn't counted, which, which when looking into it doesn't seem to be the case uh i think that i think that viewership is counted because i if you look at the fox app at least at the time several months ago when we looked into this the fox app at least if you look in like the about section of the app tells you that um this may be recorded by nielsen something like that um i don't know about the tnt app um if chris harrington is still in the chat maybe he can uh, maybe he knows but uh yeah um so i there's another streaming question what about the on-demand version of Dynamite offered by Sling uh, and uh, not, and not off my Sling DVR? So, Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, missed that. Say again. So, so like if you watch the on-demand version of Dynamite on on Sling, so yeah. I think would that's, that count on the DVRs. I think that's DVR. I believe that that's DVR. I, I my I don't know this for certain, but I strongly expect that. Anything that is through a virtual MVPD is being counted by Nielsen, just like it would if you were watching it through a traditional MVPD cable or satellite. Another question here. 
uh, AEW's deal with TNT uh, is Roads to the Top added uh, in separately to the deal or part of the deal as a whole? I don't know for certain, but I would strongly expect that that Roads to the Top is a separate additional. They are. I would. I. I believe that AEW is being compensated separately and additionally for Roads to the Top, just like WWE would be for Ms. and Mrs. And when those TV shows existed, Total Divas and Total Bellas. All right. And I think that's uh, what we have for questions there. So some very, very good questions this week. Very positive, very positive chat room, by the way, as well (laughs) today. Good, good. Chris Gull, you now have moderator controls. Yes. You have the ability. Didn't have to use them at all today. (laughs) Wonderful. People are in a much better mood in the morning than they are in the evening after, uh, after, uh, the TV ratings come out. Someone is texting me saying that RTTT is separate. I'm guessing that means app replay. Um, yeah. Uh, also in the chat, Chris Harrington raises a, a good point that YouTube revenue is correlated to watch time, the time that you spend watching a video, not the number of views, which I can, I can tell you as someone who has a YouTube channel that is generating some revenue, uh, that, that's definitely what I experience. Um, so that's all, uh, right? Uh, hit the like button yeah. if you like it. Uh, share share this video. Share our content with people. We would really appreciate that. Hit the subscribe button to subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, Russell Nomics now has a R T T T T does not stand for replay viewing on apps. That ref- that that refers to um, roads to the top. Uh, which is a, oh. which is a separate deal for for AEW on Discord. There is a WrestleNomics channel on the Post Wrestling Discord, a newly created, freshly created WrestleNomics channel that uh, you can a- interact with me there. I'm I'm posting graphs and f- charts and facts. Uh, if there's you know something in the uh, wrestling business news or media business news world that you would like to share with, with others and discuss or share with me or interact with me, uh, go to the post wrestling discord. If you're familiar with discord, I think if you just search for post wrestling in your discord app, you will, you'll find it and you'll find the WrestleNomics channel within the post wrestling discord. So check that out. Um, and uh, live TV ratings talk is every Thursday evening, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, where we talk about the latest TV ratings and at all these other times uh, across the rest of the world. And uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, where you get access to all of my almost daily TV ratings reports. You get access to the massive WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet where you get to see the data for yourself and do whatever you want with it, download it as a CSV, whatever you wish. You get access to the uh, audio of the live TV ratings talk as well. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to, too. But what plugs do you have, Chris Gullo? Um, Just, you know, the, the usual Chris Gullo, Instagram, you know, Facebook, Twitter. But uh, RTI Pod, uh, if you haven't binged the NWA episodes, because we have a new episode coming later this month here, uh, and it's going to be the Ring of Honor CCW angle, uh, Ring of Honor versus CCW. And I'm very... Uh, interested and uh, very excited mm-hmm. to cover that and our uh, rediscovery in these later this month. And other than that, um, I'm pretty much going to enjoy the holidays as far as a uh, announcing schedule. I do have one more show this Saturday, but that is part of a music festival and, and everything that's already sold out. So other than that, uh, 
it's going to be a rest and relaxation until January as far as the ring announcing schedule. So outstanding. I have a couple of weeks off coming up uh, from, from my day job. So uh, m- maybe I'll be able to uh, be even more active with some of the data collection that I've been doing, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics. You can go to WrestleNomics.com and see all sorts of data and resources and articles that uh, Jason Umpresser is writing up. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks to the post wrestling podcast network and the, and the entire post wrestling family for always supporting us and uh, being a fantastic media business partner, which they, they have been new merchandise might be coming soon. More on that to come. There's a teaser. Um, yeah, that's all. Thank you all for listening and watching and we will talk to you next time.